It's our is it too early episode? Is it too early to cut 10th round players? Is it too early to punt categories? Is it too early to evaluate how you drafted back in March? Ian Kahn of The Athletic joins us next on Beat the Shift. Welcome to another episode of the Beat the Shift podcast. I am your host, Ariel Cohen, and with me as always, Ruven Guy. How are you, Ruven? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? Doing uh, much better than last week where uh, we uh, missed the Thursday episode. Uh, I'm not 100% yet, but uh, hopefully everyone will be able to hear me okay today. How are you doing? How was, uh, how was your weekend? My weekend was great. Um, everything went well. We had a nice barbecue outside for my parents. Everything went well. We were both world vaccinated and... Good to go. Weather's been great in New York. Uh, DeGrum, MRI, what's going on with that, Ruben? MRI, um, he's experiencing some lat sideness or side tenderness. Um, they said he's going to miss, he's not going to pitch for a couple of days, but still, I'm a little bit concerned because if he had this, maybe that's why he got an extra day of rest the week before. So I'm a little bit concerned, although a couple of years ago, he did miss one start or two starts when he went on the aisle with a back injury also. So I'm not overly concerned as long as it's not the arm. Or is it because the Mets have bad weather right now in St. Louis and they don't want to throw to Grum? Who knows? But let's bring on our guest today, Ian Kahn from The Athletic. Welcome. How are you, Ian? <laughs> Thank you. I'm good. Hi, Ruvain. Hi, Ariel. What's going on? Not much. I'm I'm uh, I'm here in in the Boogie Down Bronx where I live in Riverdale in the Bronx, and the Yankees are playing the Astros presently in the first game back. And I'll tell you, I like to look at Yankee seats and just see the prices on this game have been outrageous. There are so many Yankee fans who just can't wait to get to Yankee Stadium to make their feelings heard, and it's been pretty loud. Um, I'm kind of glad I'm not there with my son because um, it's a bit more obscenity than I would like uh, for for my son to be around, my older son. Um, but it's an exciting game. It sounds like a full stadium, and it's uh, just 20% full. Yeah, no, those are very exciting. I'll tell you, I went to uh, the – a little bit different, but uh, when the Islanders' first game back at the Coliseum when John Tavares visited them as a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs, the whole game – Islanders screaming, we don't need you. It was so extraordinarily fun. Uh, so I, I can I can picture the atmosphere right now at Yankees. Is Stadium. that where you lost your voice that game? Is that where you <laughs> lost your voice? Uh, I think I did lose my voice that week uh, as my, well. My best, my best comp is when I went to the Mets-Braves games back in the 90s when John Rocker said those things about New York City, Ooh. and I went to the first game he was there. Oh, uh, the atmosphere was crazy. They wanted blood. That's what it's like there. This, this is sports. It's supposed to be uh, entertaining. It's supposed to be rivalries. So uh, I, I guess the obscenity is not such a great thing, but uh, the atmosphere is, wo- is wonderful. Yeah, it really is. It's uh, it's exciting. I'm glad I'm doing it from home. But my son is holding down the fort downstairs while I do this with, your, with you gentlemen. I'm very happy to do it. All right. We're excited, too. So let's jump into our strategy section tonight. Tonight's episode is called, Is It Too Early?, and, you know, we've, we've passed a, a month, five weeks or so into the season. And the question is, is it too early to, to change strategy in your team? Is it too early to decide something about players? So talk a little bit about that today. Uh, first question to you, Ian. You know, one month into the season, it's, it's easy to, to look at the standings and see where you are. Oh, I'm in 10th place. I'm in first place. Um, certainly it's better if you're at the top 
rather than at the bottom. But do you think for rotisserie especially, is it too early for individual categories to really matter? I mean, if you uh, to a to a certain extent, it's not. Depends on the format of the league. If it's a redraft league, probably not. Probably it's probably too early um, to to really be sure. But if it's a dynasty league where you have like teams that are like you have super teams typically a lot in, in dynasty leagues, and if you have like super teams going right now, if you if you're if you get take too many Herman uh, Marquez's like what's happening today out there, and and you get those ratios out of whack. You could really set yourself up for a problem. And redraft is, is a little bit more luck involved, certainly. Um, and you're going to see those. You're going to see the blowups anyway. I think it's a little early to, you know, take yourself out of the running in a redraft league for sure. Yeah, I do think so. Is it too early to determine whether, you know, you're weak in a certain category? If you're no. at the bottom of, of RBIs, is it time to say, no. okay, yeah. i got to do something now? Yeah, yes, yes. That that but but sometimes it can be tricky, right? So in Tout Wars right now, I'm I, you know, I was I was talking to Zach Steinhorn about a possible trade and uh you know, I was talking about hey, I need some home runs, I'm really low on home runs. He's like, "Look at the standings a little bit. You're down about 8 home runs from being from right now being in like I think 11th place in home runs to being like third. So, and you know, Joey Gallo is going to start hitting more home runs. This person's going to say, so in, in a way you got to really look at your team, you know, if, if there's a real deficiency. So again, on that Tout Wars team, which is very much on my mind because it had uh, Louis Robert and Eloy Jimenez, but, but more so Robert was a bigger loss, I think, because of the speed and because the team didn't have that much speed to begin with. It was sort of teetering on the edge. If, if you remember when we discussed the team, there wasn't that much speed to begin with. So then if you're, if you're sort of on the low end of that, you really do need to make it a focus. Yeah. And, and same thing with saves in Tout Wars. I had drafted Liam Hendricks and Jose Leclerc for three bucks and Anthony Bass for six bucks coming out of it, feeling like Mr. Big Shot. Look at me. I got three closes. I should be in great shape. Clerk was gone within a week and Bass was gone a week into the season, right? So all of a sudden, I just have Liam Hendricks and it's a long season ahead. You're going to find somebody on the wire, hopefully. But I went and made a trade to make sure that I could, I didn't want to get too, too far behind. So yes, I think it's too early to fully panic, but it's not too early to look at what your situation is and make adjustments to what the situation is. Don't you agree? Um, yes, uh, I, I think that uh, my general rule is May 5th is the date that I set for categories are, are meaningful. I, um, I, I've done some studies that show that uh, if you look at the correlation between May 5th standings in the, in the specific categories and final categorical standings, it actually becomes, becomes relevant and significant. For mm -hmm. overall standings, meaning where you are in the total of the league, all 10 categories combined, that doesn't really converge until about June 5th. So don't worry right now if you're in 10th place. Uh, yeah, but thing. yeah, you can, it, things change quite a bit in May. But for the individual categories, I, I would think that it matters. Um, Ruben, I'll, I'll put this question to you this way. Is it too early to decide to set your lineups based on where you are in the category standings? Meaning, if you're low in stolen bases, is it too early to say, let's take out uh, Cole Calhoun, for example, who hits more homers, uh, and play John Birdie so you can gain a little bit more steals? Is it too early to really look at, at what to do in your own lineup? Yeah, I think it's a little bit too early. 
I mean, we only played 15, what, 15% of the season so far, 20% of the season. Yes, you may be falling behind in stolen bases. You may want those stolen bases. But this is the time of year from about now, and like you said, until June, I'd say even until July, when you want to get the bulk of your main stats. So you want to just put your best guys out there, hope they do what they're supposed to, and just accumulate all stats. You don't want to get too cute with your lineups because, well, what do you do? You'll end up playing birdie, he won't play or he won't get any stolen bases and he'll bat 300, whatever, 250, 280, whatever. And then you'll have Cole Calhoun on your bench hitting a couple of home runs or getting hot during that that streak. Yeah, granted, he's injured, but you know, any, any say, player, he's about, not going to do much for Talk, right talk about Jesse Winker. Let's say Jesse Winker, he's a little nicked up and they take him out of the lineup for a day or two. You still want him in your lineup. I mean, he's hitting over 300. He has like five or six home runs already. This is a guy you don't want to just decide. And the fringe guys, maybe you want to do that, but I think it's way too soon. You got to just play the best guys, play your best hand, because you know what? As long as you're in the middle of the pack at this point, it's not the worst thing in the world to play your best guys. If you want to play those cutesy, uh, you know, things, play the seals guy, usually you do that toward August. September. That's the time to do it because that's when all the steals guys are more expensive on the waiver wire. Right now, the people who are expensive on the waiver wire are all the relievers because right now there's like a whole mishmash of who's going to close, who's who's pitching even for any team because of all the injuries. But I think the steals, if you're specifically looking for stolen bases, I think that more comes toward the end of the season. Usually when players get called up, they call up the speed guys and that's when you look for that. I wouldn't necessarily look and try to get steals now. Saves Another situation. Saves is, is crazy just because you don't know who's going to get the save the next day. Guys, 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 I got to ask you a question. What do you think, Tyler Naquin? Do you think he's going to be the guy? Do you think he's going to be a guy, or do you think he's going to be a fourth outfielder? It depends on the injury situation. I mean, if you get playing time, so far, you know, you're playing the hot hands, technically. He was one of the top pickups in the very beginning of the season, and he's sort of still playing. Off. He, nah, he's, he's, st he's still playing, though. He's still playing. They're putting him in. They're playing him well, a that's, lot. If you're, if you're getting the playing time, then you have to play them. You can't sit him for a guy who think, oh, you know what? Maybe I'll get some stories. Yeah, but what I'm, asking, what I'm asking is, do you guys think that Tyler Naquin is, a, is the real deal? Like, you know, he's the 15th pick in the draft when he came out with the Cleveland Indians. Now here he is. He had, he had 100 chances with Cleveland. He kind of hit the same way that Jake Bowers is hitting right now. Like, they, they would bring him up. They would give him a shot. He was a first-round pick. Now he goes over to Cincinnati in that little band box, and he's he's just especially from a fantasy perspective, he's stealing bases, he's hitting home runs, he's hitting for average. I mean, it was always the hit tool that was was appealing. Do you guys think that there's going to be room at the end in Cincinnati? Yeah, I mean, I I don't think Cincinnati is uh, that great a team that they can. Uh, that that they can't afford to uh, uh, try new things here. Um, I, I mean, look, look at the roster of Cincinnati. I, I I think there's plenty of room for him. Um, you know, Nick Senzel, is he hot? Is he not? I'm not sure. I mean, I uh, saw that when Senzel was at second base the other day. I mean, then it, it just makes you think, you know. I mean, I, I, that's part of the game that I find really fascinating. It's like, you know, is is a guy like this, has he just forced his way into the lineup, you know, like like Mercedes did in um, in, in Chicago? Yeah, I mean, I think right now Naquin is more of a platoon player. Um, he's left-handed, so it's a strong side of a platoon, um, and it's a good park. So uh, certainly if you have a string of right-handed players, especially at home, if you're in, in your fantasy team, 15 team, maybe even 12, if it's a good matchup, I'd be playing him. Uh, I think that he probably went for way too much money that, that week one in fab. Yeah, that first week, yeah. 
little bit too much. I mean, what kind of return on investment are you going to get for a $200 player for 20 Did, did he go that high? Did he go 200 He went uh, 150 to 200 in a bunch of mains, I know. Did he? Uh, okay. Yeah. But there's nobody behind them. There's nobody behind them. And he's uh, this is the first time he's getting a full-time center field job in Cincinnati, and he's 30. I mean, that usually doesn't happen. You want to trust your C. I mean, who else are you going to play, though? Outfield is very shallow. So the fact that he's playing and he's and he's still hitting, you got to keep him he, in your lineup. He, There's no he's choice. Got a, he's got a little bit of a, a split. Uh, he, he's, uh, his career versus lefties, he's hitting uh, under 230, and he's hitting over 280 uh, against righties. So. How's he doing this year? Because I think he's, I think he's same, had— Same thing. Same thing? All right. Yeah, yeah. same thing. Uh, so maybe. Two, I mean, strong side platoon, 15-team league— I don't know. I mean, you're playing in a points league right now in head-to-head in Tout Wars, right? So it's 12-team head-to-head. So it probably doesn't fit for a 12-team. But I, I don't know. I just He's he's a player that, that I've always had a soft spot for. I pick him up in Dynasty every year when he was a minor leaguer, and then I'm like, ah, I'm dropping him. I mean, but, I, I, I see him as a waiver-wire guy for matchups. If it's a good week, then he'd be a waiver guy. I, I, I don't think he'd be in my lineup every single week, and so for that reason, he's a streamer. But there's so many outfielders dropping like flies with injury. He's gonna play just because he's getting volume. You want you at this point in the season, you need volume. Yes, I like it. I'm I, I'm always rooting for Tyler Naquin. I really am. I'm always rooting for him. Fifteenth pick, good good hit tool. Before we talk about uh, punting categories more and altering strategies, let's do the injury guys trivia of the week. <laughs> Enjoy the music. It's a good one there. It's um, good. So basically, basically, um, one of our teams in, in NFBC, our pitching ratios are shot. So our ERA and our whip are basically shot already because our pitchers just haven't been performing. So my trivia for this week is: last year, fifteen teams had team ERA over four and a half. Fourteen in two thousand nineteen and fourteen in two thousand eighteen. How many staff ERAs are over four point five this year? Right now, this year. <clears throat> right now. Mm. I'd say about a third. Let's, I'll, I'll go with ten. I'm gonna four point five. Four. It's exactly ten. Oh, wow. okay, Last, cool. Not only not only that. Here's another one. Last year, twelve teams had an had a team whip, a team whip under one point three. Eight of them in 2019 and fourteen in 2018. How many team whips right now are under one point three? Six. No, 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 no. Under under 1.3. So there'd be more. Under 1.3. 15? I'll go with half. 18. Um, 18. Which is ridiculous, which means... Pitching is ruling the day right now. I, there's a team. I think. I think it's that one of the teams has a bad team batting average under 200. It's yeah. crazy. The overall batting average in MLB. I saw this on MLB Network. 232 batting average overall in baseball, which is the lowest since 1968. Mm-hmm. A 699 OPS, lowest since 1992, and a 24.6 strikeout rate, which is the highest of all time. They got to move, move back the mound. Move back the mound. Does that mean pitching is better? Does that mean hitting is better? I mean, I I, I don't. Hitting. What do you do if your ERA and WHIP are shot just because you have these high profile guys like Luis Castillo or Herman Marquez? What do you do? Do you want to punt those categories? Do you want no? Too early. Too early to punt fully. It's too early. You said yourself, fifteen percent of the of the games have been played. It, it, you gotta you gotta trust in the pitching a little bit, don't you? Or just go find the hot hand. 
my my point my point in this trivia though is that the whole reason I mentioned this is because I think the ERAs and WHIPs are going to be going up, meaning what we're seeing now is attributed to the attributed to cold weather and the mm-hmm. part of the season we haven't hit the summer yet when when the last yeah, summer be when the season started so I think that's going to play into it that you shouldn't I agree with you you shouldn't be no, be yeah. so worried with an ERA and WHIP only because. Everyone is going to quote unquote normalize when the season goes on. Let me just say the, the way, first of all, the way both of you say because is like my favorite part of the show. Um, the second thing is if you look at last night, Kenta Maeda, right? Kenta Maeda has, I was watching him pitch and he was like blowing on his hands and he, he was, he's, he's getting, last year he only pitched in the summer months. He didn't pitch in April. There were no games. He didn't pitch in May. There were no games. So he was only in the summer months. So some of these pitchers have not pitched in in cold weather in a while. Some of these hitters haven't hit in cold weather in two years. So yes, I, I agree with you. It definitely, it's not. It's too early to punt ERA and WHIP. It, it just get better pitchers. You know, there are guys on the wire every week that are worth a look. Every week they're worth a look. Yeah, it, it is too early to punt totally. But um, I do bring it up just to get the notion of at a certain point, it, it does pay to punt. Or at a certain point, sure. you, you're, you're going to get more points out of your pitching strategy if you alter your, your change. Um, we have a, a situation now, and maybe I'll talk about a situation we had a couple years ago in, in NFBC where after a month, we were like dead last in ERA and WHIP. Um, we had Noah Syndergaard who went on IL. He was out pretty much the whole year with the lat strain. And we had a lot of closers, so our saves were pretty high. And Ruvin and I decided, probably around May 15th, that the best use of our strategy would be to the heck with keeping our, our ERA low. Like, it was shot. It was at five, let's say. Okay. Um, we just put in quantity. Let's just get any two-star pitcher that comes, any good matchup, just just more and more volume and volume. We had the closers, so we'd still have that counting stat, and we finished one top two or top three in saves. But just get as many win points, as many strikeout points, and lo and behold, we actually came back and finished in second place in the money. Um, you can't always do that because you still have to be strong in all the other categories. Like you can't, you can't punt anything if you have no yeah. offense, mm-hmm. right? But if you have a situation where your offense is good, but you just don't you, you have blown two ratios and everything else is good, that is a viable strategy, which I think you can even start in the middle of May, as silly as it sounds. Yeah, okay. I get it. I you know? get it. I mean, it depends. Like, were, were some of the better pitchers hurt? Is that part of the problem? Yeah, you said Syndergaard was hurt. The top two, so, pitch, top two pitchers were hurt on, on our team. So, you know, your top two pitchers are hurt and your ERA sure. is shot. You know? Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Then you really don't have any way to come back. I get that. And uh, yes, very clever. Very right. clever. And and it worked. So that's great, but but that's a very unique situation that you're discussing. It is, but it's very uh, again, the concept is still valid later in the season, right? You, know, it, you might be in a situation where uh, in, forget about being in last place, the marginal distance between wherever you are in ERA and WHIP can take a hit to ERA and WHIP, but the gains that you can get by volume in strikeouts and wins can get you more points. Like you might be able to get like seven yeah. easy points, even if you drop two spots sure. in both ERA and WHIP. You should know that it's not a punt. It's it's a it's a it's a localized get trading off of of 
the, the ratios for volume because it can gain you points. The, the, the point here is to just recognize not, it doesn't necessarily mean long term. Um, I'm giving you that you know, crazy example, which worked, but you should be aware of it sometime in the season that you might have to switch strategies. But there's another strategy of just throwing out the middle relievers also to try to normalize those ERA and whips. Yes, you're gonna have to, you're gonna may fall behind in strikeouts, but you won't get gombered. You won't get a Marquez blow up. You, you won't get these, you know, these issues where you have that. But you know, you, you, it's still so early in the season. You drafted the guys, you picked the guys you wanted. You live and you die by them. That's the way it goes for now. If you want to just punt, you know, just ignore those stats and just don't look at those categories and just play as if you're you're in the race for those categories and just do the two-star pitchers and try to get volume elsewhere, that's not a problem because occasionally you will get lucky. You will get that two-star Tyler Molly like people did last year, and people will help with their earring whips, and you never know. You may gain a couple points there. Yeah, I, I think what, I think Rivian and I are on the same side. Maybe we're all three on the same side, but I think it's just it's May 4th, and may the 4th be with you. But it's May 4th, right? It's not... May I, I could see this on June fourth. I can see that, but I feel like May fourth. I mean, you'd have to have your top three starters out. You know what I mean? Like that. You you know what I'm saying? Like you have to. Uh, you can't. You can't. This is this is a very. That's an extreme move. And if you pull that, if you play that, if you pull that cord, because it really is pulling a cord, and you pull it in June, you should still be able to find some success with it. You know what I mean? But just, you know, but but it, certainly, yeah. In fact, I, I can remember back a season, but I think I did it in August or July where it was just like, yeah, I just got to, I got to throw, I got to throw these guys. And it does work because, you, you know, you you get lots of two starts. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's what we're here for is to really give our listeners, you know, a pulse as to the timing of things. Because that really is the whole thing about strategy and game theory and how you play the game is knowing when to pull the plug and when to push wall in and, and so on and so forth. Right. Just not yet. Right. <laughs> and Not save yet. your fab. And save your fab for later in the year if you think about doing that. Also, if you use all your fab now, you're not going to be able to afford those two-star pitchers later. Yeah, but, but wait, Ruvain, in a way, what, what's kind of interesting about, the, about this angle is it doesn't matter who you pick up. <laughs> you know, it doesn't really—I mean, you, you want to pick up guys who are on good teams, but you just need volume. It doesn't—you don't have to pay the extra $8 to get the Adam Wainwright to start as opposed to, you know, the Austin Gomber. Yes, start. well, it's it's a it's an economical way to use fab using the strategy. Yes, 100%. right, because you just put everybody down for yes. two bucks or a buck. It's part and, of the plan. Yeah, so yeah. so in yeah. a way, it 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 doesn't matter who. Similar to the head-to-head Tout Wars League, which is very much about these two-star weeks. Uh, that's correct. That's oh correct. my god, so much about that. And so far, I'm in uh, second place. I just lost to uh, uh, Ralph Lifshitz. Uh, we, we were both undefeated. He beat me. I had a t- I, I got gombered, put it that way. Uh, I literally had uh, gomber on my team, uh, which actually didn't hurt so much because it, it's not a uh, roto league. Uh, yeah, and and he came back with a great start to, to finish the week, so I didn't really finish that negative. Um, but anyways, um, next question for you, Ian. Is it too early to evaluate how you did at the draft table? No. No. I mean, yes and no. It's never too early to evaluate how you do at the draft table. You should right. be evaluating it as you go. Um, you should evaluate it as soon as the draft is over. You should evaluate it immediately. You should evaluate it after the first week, second week. I just made a trade for a trade of a two dollar in Tout Wars, two dollar Mitch Hanniger for uh, Jared Kellenick and Rich Rodriguez. That was a positive draft play on my part because I got Hanniger for two bucks. And the reason I needed to do that is because I don't have the closers. That team is in trouble. Oh boy, we're not familiar with uh, Kellenick. Who is that player? I, you know what? I didn't even think of it when I said it. 
Jarek Kelnick was the fifth pick in the draft out of the New York for the New York Mets. It was unusual at the time for the Mets to just take kidding, a high school kidding. player because typically they didn't they didn't take high school bats. I think they're trying to solve that problem and try to fix the mistake with Pete Crow Armstrong. Probably not going to be the same level of player, but the same idea. I don't, I, you know, I don't like the fact that people are ignoring Julio Rodriguez on that team because he actually maybe end up better than Kalenic, and he was a higher rated prospect. So don't forget, don't. Don't no. forget him. Yes, Kalenic is going to be great, and unfortunately, yes. he's not with our beloved Mets. But you know what? They're not my beloved. I, Mets. I, people are ignoring one. And listen, this happened before. No in, one is ignoring. Hold on, Ruben. In Washington. Nope. In Washington. Yes, sir. What happened? Ahead. What happened? You had Victor Robles, who was a top prospect. Everyone's saying Victor Robles, Victor Robles, Victor Robles, and yeah, then Juan yeah. Soto. Boom! There he is. Yeah, but so, wait a second. Hold on. Nobody is downgrading Julio Rodriguez at all. He's just not going to play this year. I think he's just started in high A. He's not coming up. That's why. And some, I think Ralph Lifshitz, who just handed Ariel his his lunch last week at Tower Wars, I think he has. I believe he has Rodriguez number one. Maybe not. Maybe maybe it's someone else. Maybe it's Brett Sarah. I don't remember. Somebody has Rodriguez. It's right up there. Kalanick. You know, a lot of places have Kalanick right now as the number one. You know, prospect in baseball, even ahead of Wander Franco. It'd be amazing to see him on the Mets, though. Oh man, that would have been great. Thanks. Anyways, <laughs> we have we have Kevin Pillar. We don't need him. Hey, okay. Kevin Pillar's for real, guys. It's back to back homers. Yeah, hey now, Pillar to Villar. We were talking about that on my show, Under the Radar, which you can hear. Actually, we did our episode this uh, this morning. Uh, you can hear it's the the. Uh, if you don't mind me giving a little plug for the show, please. Um, it's the Athletic uh, Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Uh, I get to do it every Tuesday with Nando Defino and Derek Van Riper, and um, and it's really fun. We have a good time. It's a good show. So if you've never heard it, give us a listen. I agree. I'm a regular listener. It is a fantastic show. Uh, You're just saying that because I do impressions of you on the show. You do impressions. They're, they're, do. they're good. You can uh, you can check them out on yeah. Under the Radar. Under the Radar. With that's, uh, a, that's a Nando DeFino impression yeah, for you. Sorry. Right. Go ahead. There you go. Uh, but back to uh, um, uh, is it too early? Um, question comes up. Is it too early to cut a player? who you spent meaningful draft capital on. Like, mm. what's the earliest round you're going to cut a player? You're not going to cut a first-round player right now unless they're injured for the whole season. But what's, you know, what, at what level are, are you now okay with cutting a player and saying, all right, well, I don't believe in him. He just doesn't cut it. Can I cut a 10th-round player or higher? Ruben? Well, I think it depends what you want to when you got the player and what your team was built, how your team was built. If you picked a guy who you thought was going to be the quote unquote the sleeper and he was going to be the guy doing everything for you and you paid, let's say, the 22nd round, you know what? It's not that bad to cut bait now only because replacement level may be almost as good at this point. I wouldn't cut completely. Benching is probably the better idea. In my opinion, I don't I wouldn't cut that yet. Rounds 25 to 30, usually those players should be on a rotating basis. You should rotate those guys. You shouldn't have any issues getting rid of them. But when you start getting closer to the 20 and the 18 rounds, I'm a little hesitant to drop yet because it is still, still too soon. Benching, I'm all for benching. The question is, Francisco Lindor. Do you bench Francisco Lindor? Mm, nah. You can't. How can, can you? you? Well, not when they just fired Chili Davis. <laughs> that was a really they they really they really did a number there. Um no, I don't think you I don't think you bench Francisco Lindor any more than I would bench Joey Gallo in leagues where he in a non-OBP league you could have considered benching Joey Gallo, but the upside on a Gallo return is so high. The upside on a Francisco Lindor return is so high. I mean, who are you going to replace him with? 
I mean, who are you going to put okay, in well, Frankie I, Elvis? I have, a, I have a better one then. I have a much better one. Okay. Keston Hira. Gone. Get what do you do with him? Don't draft Dump him. him. Don't draft him. Uh, well, t- to me, the, the, the issue is uh, role. If a player's role has evaporated, if you're sent to the minors, yeah, to me that's an easy cut break point. I mean, take a look at a closer. If a closer has lost his role, um, what's his name? Who, uh, who is Anthony the, Bass. Uh, Anthony Bass. Good Perfect. example. I, I was going to go with the Cleveland uh, closer. Karin Oh, Karin Cech you could Karin hold. Karin Cech uh, you could hold. You could hold. Look at the numbers there, man. You could hold that. 11, 11 innings, 24 strikeouts. Hitters and pitchers are different, though. I'd hold on to the pitchers until it gets warmer. The hitters, but but you're right on roll, Ariel. You it, are roll right is, on roll. Well, roll is roll is one thing. The other thing I would say is that the biggest measure of whether you can cut somebody is will just ask yourself: If I cut this player, will somebody pick that person up next week? If the answer is yes, you probably should not cut him. If the answer is they probably won't, you could cut him. I mean, if you dropped in a twelve-team league, if you dropped Karinchak, is anybody picking him up? No. If you dropped no. him in a fifteen-team league, I don't think they're picking him up either. Bet you a dollar. I would. Hundred percent, I would. Okay, I would maybe, pick him up. Maybe, I would pick maybe, him up and I would maybe, play him. Maybe I would. I, I put him in a. I put him in a one a, a dynasty league this week. Okay, um, which which I'm in high competition for twenty team. Um, I, I we had grabbed Class A in the fourth round of the draft this this year. It's an interesting kind of setup as a sort of handcuff for Karen check just in case this happened. But we're playing Karen check this week. He's got seven. He's got seven games. He's striking out more than two an inning. He had a zero ERA with like a 0.43 whip through those. Yeah, he has innings. been, he has been, he's he been, has. you know, he's been as good. You could, if you had a choice between Karen check or Fulton Avis right now, I'm starting Karen check. It's less heartburn. And he might steal a save like he did last week. Somebody drops Hayura. Are you picking him up? I'm not. No. Well, right. I mean, it depends, yeah, depends on the depth. Me. Depends on the depth. If you're in an NL only, maybe. Oh, it depends if you have room on your bench. If you don't have room on your bench, it's not even a question because a lot of there's there's so many injured players on our benches right now. Where are you putting them? I would actually pick up Keston. I'm going to shut up. See, I'm such a big shot. I actually think I would pick up Keston here for like okay. five, for for twenty five bucks and stick him on my bench. I would do that, sure. Because let's say he goes down, he, he gets his head straight. He just looks so little at first base. It just looks strange. He's like 5'10". It's really short for a first yeah. baseman. But again, the, qu- the question is good. You know, if you ask yourself, will somebody pick him up? That's how you know if you should cut somebody or simply just bench him. Uh, um, I don't know. I no. mean, but not, not always. I mean, sometimes you have... I mean, yeah, sure, you could try to trade him. I mean, I, I actually... It's one of the best things about Tower Wars is you could trade... I make a lot of trades on Monday um, because... The, the rosters are getting wider. So, yeah, I guess you're right about that. If you're willing to do the work, then move them. But you should get the player you need, right? I mean, you should sure. get the player you need. If you need sure, a player sure. and, and someone else is out there who's going to fit your team better and what you need better, and that's your last roster spot, I'm not going to not do it just because someone's going to pick them up for, I mean, not if they're going to pick well, them up for we're talking about Well, we're talking about high-value players. If there's somebody at the bottom, you just cut them two seconds. Yeah, um, right. But we're talking about a high-value player who's underperforming, you know, you're not going to cut Lindor, uh, you no, know, God, because, no. right, right. No, never, God. Right. Let's talk a little bit about uh, some specific players that have had hot or cold starts, what we think of them, what we, sh- what we should do with them in fantasy, and so on and so forth. Let's start with uh, Patrick Corbin. Yikes. What are we doing with him, Ian? I, I, you know, if, if I didn't buy him this year, um, but if you suffered already, I say throw him on your bench. And let him do two or three, give him, give him three good starts. Warm weather comes. He's not a drop. 
he's not a drop at all. Like you got to hold him. You paid $15 for him or you, you drafted him in the 11th round in a 15 team or 10th round, maybe even ninth round. So you're not going to drop him. That's a guy you don't drop, but if you don't want to pitch him, I understand that, but he did have a good start as most recent. So he's, he's a, he's a hold. He's a hold for me, not a drop. Moving. Yeah, I think I'd hold on to him also, but his K rate, I wouldn't start him. I benched 100%. His K rate, K per nine, is the lowest since 2016. He's walking five and a half per nine innings. That's crazy. Um, he's he has, He's given up a 14.3% barrel rate, which is also crazy. But I think the issue is his repertoire. I think he's, he's you know, according to Fangraphs, he's using the slider less. He's using the sinker less. He's using his fastball more, even though it's a, it's a little bit faster. It's a half a mile a mile faster than normal, but he's using his fastball more, and he's using a cutter for the first time since 2017 a lot more. So I think the main problem is his pitch selection. I think that if he can get that tuned correctly, I think he can turn it around. He's a guy definitely to hold on to because Washington, the National League East, he's going to get a lot of opportunities to play against poor-hitting teams, uh, the Mets, and he'll be able to do just quite well against them, especially being a lefty in that division. Ruben, I was going to say almost the exact same thing. Uh, the the I, I actually use the word Corbinize, the term, to mean if you have a good pitch, just keep throwing the heck out of it, which is what Patrick Corbin did in 2018. He just said my slide is my best pitch. I'm just going to throw the heck out of it. And 2018, 2019, that's exactly what he what he did. This year, he's gotten away from that. Um, so I think he's a he's a bench right now for me. Uh, and watch the pitch mix. If the pitch mix get gets back, then you can think about playing him. But right now, I mean, he he's got a career low 15 percent strikeout rate right now, a walk rate of 12 percent. Uh, it's unusable. Look at his O swing numbers. Uh, it's 10 percent down. Like nobody is being fooled by his outside pitches. Uh, he he's not usable right now. And just wait for his pitch mix to change. If it doesn't, then you can think about cutting him. But for now, just bench until you see a change in what he's throwing. We all agree. Huzzah! Yeah, there we go. What do you do with Luis Castillo? You put him in your lineup. I guess you do. Uh, yeah. Anything to. different? I mean, you, look, if you got Luis Castillo, <laughs> i got to throw Cushing under the bus here. In one league, we took Luis Castillo at the end of the second round um, because he was really high on Castillo. And I was like, yeah, okay, I, I trust you. You're, you're Alex Cushing, one of the greatest in the game. And he is. Um, but Castillo, you've, we spent a lot of draft capital on him. You're not going to sit him. I'm not going to sit him. I mean, maybe in Colorado you sit him, but otherwise you got to wait till he brings it together. That's not a ninth round pick. That's a second round pick, third round pick. You, you pitch him and you wait for him to, he's better than what he's shown. It has to be right. I mean, don't you guys agree? Yeah. I mean, he's, uh, you're not gonna, you're not gonna win without him here. He, he's your ace. If you picked him up, he's your ace yeah. of your staff. Um, uh, to me, you know, he, I think he's had some bad luck. I think he's had some really bad weather conditions. It, it's hard for me to say, my God, all his starts have been bad weather conditions, but he's had a couple of starts where first two, three innings have been fabulous and then just ran into bad trouble. I'm not sure. I haven't really analyzed what's going on in that second, third time around the order, but it sounds like it's just something that could be the, uh, correctable. Um, he is throwing a lot more change-ups than usual, which is his bet best pitch. Um, but maybe it's just not being offset properly by enough fastballs. Like it might be a simple pitch mix thing as well. I have a theory. Um, I have a theory. Yeah. You want to hear my theory? Sure. I don't want to cut into Ruvain's time, but I have a theory. Sure. Is Luis Castillo tipping his pitches? No, 
I, I don't I don't think so. No? I I think his problem is yeah. that first of all his defense sabotage him. I mean Eugenio oh, God, Suarez is not a, is not a shortstop. So that alone just just that's that's he's being sabotaged to start with. If you don't have a defense behind you, why well, do you think his bad is a career high right now? But what I'm more concerned is his velocity across the board is down, which is a little bit concerning. How much? Um, almost two miles an hour across. It was the up board. his last start, though. He was about to ninety. It was up, again. but but I mean, he, his walk rate has improved, which is good. His barrel rate is slightly up, and his hard hit rate is down. So there are some promising glimmers there, but you have to keep pitching him. It, it's it's like what if um, you have Max Scherzer and he blows up two straight starts. Are you not going to pitch him the third start? Of course you will. I just went through you, that you with Kenta to. Maeda this past week. Is two start week coming up, and we had to figure out. I was like, "Do we start him?" I was like, "How do you not start Ken Maeda? If you, you gotta, don't, you got to bet on the turnaround. You got to bet on the you, pitcher. If you don't start someone who's two start, he does not belong on your roster. What's that the number correct. of Okay, so Good just line. just setting up everybody for this though. What's the number of starts in a row that Luis Castillo or an equivalent ace, you know, gives up five runs? You know, five runs in five innings. Where do you then say I gotta bench him? Like, what's the how many starts in a row of five five innings, five runs? Do you say I, enough's enough? I'm going back and forth between two numbers. Remain where are you? Going back and forth. I'm between four and five. I, I I think I can't five, really. I think I, if I say five only because you know what your ERA is getting killed. Yes, it can be killed more, but. Luis Castillo's strikeout rate is down this year. If he was still striking out people, I'd play him. He'd be like Robbie Ray. You get a lot of strikeouts, high ERA, high rip. That's fine. You're still getting the strikeouts, but you're not getting that right now. He'll, yeah, okay. I think yeah. the answer is is five to six, unless you can see something different. Like if the velocity dropped four miles an hour, to me it'd be more like three four. But if if you don't can't put your finger on something, oh my god, I think five to six is the answer. Hey, look at Kyle Hendricks came back, pitched a great game, complete game today against uh, the Dodgers. Yeah, five six is a lot. That's not where I was choosing between, but I was going. So, you have going, to have a long a long leash for your yeah, for your star ace, players. I mean, you, you, you live and die. Yeah, yeah. You live and die. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I agree. I mean, I I, I certainly think Luis Castillo stays. You got to keep the kid stays in the picture. Sorry. Right. Let's talk about Ludris Guriel. Oh man, what a terrible start to the year. He has picked it up a little bit as of late. You know, Blue Jays have a great lineup. But there's there is an outfield crunch. I mean, Teoscar Hernandez, George Springer, they're they're now back. Randall Grechuk, I don't know how you can sit that guy. He's killing it. So Guriel could be squeezed out just from the fact that the Blue Jays have a good lineup and a lot of people in the outfield, and he's been cold. Uh, what do you do if you have Guriel and you probably spend fifteen dollars on him? Who? Bench. 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 No, no. Bench. Not me. I, I'm gonna play him. I'm going to play Lourdes Gurriel. I, 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 especially now, if Telez was still there and Telez was doing anything, then I'd be a little bit more concerned. But there aren't that many. You know, Springer's going to DH. And Teoscar should DH, right? Gurriel's good and good with the glove. I I, I, I believe in Gurriel. I think, in fact, I had a choice to start him or not start him this week in, in a dynasty league and chose to start him with, with some really good options. And it's only four outfielders, four outfielders in that league. So I know I I think it's okay. I think it's a decent buy opportunity based on how you guys are talking about him. Ariel, what would you do? Um, I I, I believe in him long term. I have him on two of my teams. Uh, I think for the time being, until I see consistent playing time amidst people coming back from from uh, injury and from COVID and whatnot, I would sit. Uh, to me, he's he's not a must start anymore. 
for the for the next week or two. To me, if, if I have another player who I like the matchups, I'm sticking him in, in instead. Yeah, but we just said that the outfield was very shallow. So, I mean, in a 15-team league, I'm thinking, right? 15-team league, you can't. I, I own him in a 10-team oh. te- te- league. I'm oh, sitting in. okay. Well, I guess that's important. Yeah. That's an important distinction to make. Yeah. I was thinking 15-team there. Uh, I, I, I was doing the math on a 15-team league. 15-team league, I think you're playing him. I don't think yeah, you yeah, kind of have better I'm, options. I'm a little bit concerned with him because Lourdes Gurriel in hitters counts. 3-0, and 1-0. He's had, when I did his research, he had 42 plate appearances with only four hits. He's doing, he, he, I, he may be pressing, I don't know. His soft contact is up. His line drive rate is down. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm his, a little bit His plate bit discipline is bad. He, he's swinging, he's hacking quite a bit more than usual. Okay. So, All right. you know. Some some warning signs. I, again, a long term, I think he'll bounce back, but I, I, I he could lose short term playing time with everybody coming back. And I get he, that, but fifteen team league. I mean, isn't he? He's not good enough to be your fifth outfielder in a four, in a fifteen team league. Really? He may or may not be. Probably in fifteen team league. Okay. Uh, anything shallower, I think you have a question. I think. Yeah, you I, would, I would agree with that. I would agree with 12, that. I mean, twelve, if it's 12 team. Yeah, I could see that. I could see sitting him in a 12-team league if you've got a lot of strength in that position, but a lot of teams don't have strength in the outfield. What are you, you doing with What oh, are you sorry. doing with Francisco Lindor? Are you trying to trade him now? I, I get the I get the feeling that people are very 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 high on him and a lot of people draft If you drafted him, you drafted him first late first round, early second round. To me, before the season started, I had him as uh not even the top 8 shortstops. I very very low on him. ATC projections very low on him, and partly because in Roto especially, I didn't think he was going to steal. His homers, not as good as it used to be. His batting average, I don't know why people think he's a 280-something hitter anymore. He's not. Wait a uh, minute. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. How do you feel about the 10-year, $345 million contract, Ben? I think that's a terrible sign. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's, you're going to be living with that for a long time, boys. I mean, I would have traded for Trevor Story for a lot cheaper right now. Instead, I don't. I don't. Remain, I don't are you with him I on this? No, I, I like the sign. I think. I think he'll turn around. I think he's pressing. He's on a new team. I think yep. he's pressing right he's now. He's Ofer's last twenty-four. Yes, because he's I, pressing. Because he's on a new team. And, and he's play, and he's played. He's played in blizzards and cold weather. He's playing in this horrible weather. He hasn't played consistently. When he does hit the ball hard, he gets robbed with hits. I, you know how many times I saw that. He's got a career low BABIP of one eighty-one, which is ridiculous. Um, his hard hit rate is still pretty good. It's it's not. It's it's similar to last to last year and the year before, but he's batting last when I did this research, 080 with runners in scoring position. Ariel, 80, 80, 80. Ariel, don't uh, just be an actuary. Listen, Ariel, don't just be an actuary. <laughs> it's not baseball's not just numbers. It's not. Baseball is an emotional game. And it's very hard to become the face and the face of a franchise where you haven't earned the right. It puts a sure, lot of pressure sure. on you, okay? When you're the star of a play you feel it. He is now the star of New York. He is he is the face of the New York Mets. I mean, Pete Alonso too. But but the guy's making $345 million. It's not easy to be in that spot. It's going to take a little time to make an adjustment. Listen, if you're in a dynasty league and you want to trade him for pennies on the dollar, shame on you. Don't do it. Uh, I'm not trading for pennies on the dollar. No, uh, look, or no, no, no but even, even 50 cents on the dollar. You no, cannot no, no, trade. No. You cannot trade in a dynasty league. You cannot trade Francisco Lindor. You can't do it. You just can't do it. Right. Uh, no. You're getting nothing. You're going to get nothing for him. No, 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 no. no. I, I'm just saying that he's, 
He uh, <laughs> there's nothing to do but but keep him. But I would actually suggest trading him because obviously people like him a lot better than I do. Uh, he's hitting the ball on the ground. His problem right now is the swing mechanic where it's going on the ground. He's 54 percent ground ball rate, launch angle in the sevens. He just Putting it down. The he's biggest, just, but but he's struggling. He's take it easy. Take uh, it the easy. biggest concern with him, I think, is the no barrels. He has one barrel so far this year. Okay. Um, look, he is struggling. Uh, I think he does bounce back. But in roto, roto, where you steal, steal's important. You bought him because you think he's going to steal twenty bases. He won't get to twenty. He will not. Uh, and I think for that reason, there are a lot of other. What would you accept? If, let's say you own Francisco Lindor. What are you going to take for him? I'll take Bo Bichette. I'll take. Oh, you're not uh, getting Bo Bichette. What are you talking about? In a redraft? Redraft. You think you're going to. Redraft. You th- hold, please. You think for one half of a second that if I'm a Bo Bichette owner, you're going to come to me with Francisco Lindor and I'm going to give you Bichette? Why? What about Why Bogarts? Why would I do that? Bogarts. Why would I do that? No. You're not going to get Bogarts no, for maybe, Lindor. Maybe a Marcus Simeon. Yeah, no, Marcus I, Simeon. I, I, yeah, Marcus Simeon. Because, because you, could, you could get from now. You could do that now. The rest of the season, they may get the same amount of homers. They may get the same amount of stolen bases. That's why you don't trade him. But you're not getting Bo Bichette. Would Come you get? On. Would you take Corey Seager? No. What? You want me to give up? You want me to wait, hold on? You're going to give me Francisco Lindor, and you want me to give you Corey Seager right now? That's what not, else are you giving me? Well, I mean, Lindor was taken as a first round player. That's, that's so. done now. That's why you got to hold. Okay. You don't right, trade well, him. Well, you have in to that hold case, him. Well, if 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 that's what you're telling me, then there is no trade market for him. I was that under the correct. impression that that somebody might actually trade up bo- Seager for Lindor. Why? Why would they do that? Seager uh, is no. Because okay, Ruvain, right. I own Francisco Lindor. You own Corey Seager. I call you up on the phone because that's how I like to make trades. And I say, Hey, Ruvain, um, I want to make a trade with you. You want to make a trade? You go, Sure, yeah, Ian, I'll take the call. And then we get on the phone, and I say, All right, I'll give you Francisco Lindor. You give me Corey Seager. What are you telling me? I tell you, give me a mid-tier uh, closer with a job like uh, Rossi Iglesias with it. Then I think about it. Okay. Yeah. Well then. There you go. I guess yeah. you're not going to get Lindor. <laughs> All right, let's go uh, next player. Uh, now let's do some hot players. How about Cedric Mullins? Uh, what do you think about him, uh, Ian? You're going to take Cedric Mullins the third? <laughs> I think I have to tell the background of the story, don't I? Sure. I think I do. So I worked a lot with Ariel. I spent more time on the phone with Ariel Cohen than anybody in my life, I think between like mid-March and the end of March. Just prepping and, and learning, because Ariel is genius when it comes to um, auction value, right? I'm not gonna do any impressions of Ariel Cohen on the show today. But so, you know, we were doing the the tout wars and during labor, I would call Ariel in between, I would call Cushing, I would say, hey, how's it going, what do you think? Doing good, and I was like, yeah, it's going really well, everything's great. So it was Shabbos for tout wars, it was a Saturday, and uh, Ariel wasn't available until there was a first star in the sky. So the first star came in the sky. Still no call from Ariel. I, I was done with the draft. We were getting close to the reserves. Second star on the, still nothing. Third star in the sky. Finally, Ariel Cohen. Ian, how's it going? It looks like it's going really well. You're doing, you really like your draft. Um, too bad you took Louis Robert and Eloy Jimenez, but you'll be able to figure it out. So then we got to the reserve and I was like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of thinking Cedric Mullins the third here. He's like, your outfield is so good. How are you going to take Cedric Mullins the third? <laughs> and I said, well, I think he's going to be, first, I think he's going to be good. That's the first thing. And the second thing is, like, you know, maybe there'll be a week where I want to take out one of my outfielders. He said, who are you going to take out? He said, I said, well, I don't know, maybe Mitch Hanniger. And he goes, you're going to take out Mitch Hanniger. I'm not going to do it. You're going to take out Mitch Hanniger out for Cedric Mullins the third. Yeah, there you go. That's what I said. <laughs> That's what Ariel said to me. He said, you're going to do that. And I was like, well, I don't know. So I kind of I got off my Cedric Mullins the third uh, idea. 
that being said, I got him in, and part of the reason was because I had him in so many other places that I was, you know, I was a big fan of Mullins coming into the season. Do I think he's this good? Not this good. I don't think yeah. he's this good. I mean, well, what is he hitting, 365 or something? Yeah. Like I mean, certainly. Uh, I mean, come on. Uh, certainly this was the guy to get. And uh, I remember that draft, and it, somebody else took, I think Justin Mason took him before you. You couldn't get him. But I was like, why are you taking Cedric Mullins? And uh, actually, that would have been a pretty pretty good pick, actually. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, <laughs> Yeah, right. I got, got him in. I got him in AL labor. I got him. I've got him. I got him in one dynasty league. He he's uh, you know he's he's really good. He's not this good. Ravine, he's not yeah. this good, is he? No, he, no. His his bad no. is over four forty right now. He, but but he's got some nice stuff going on here. His walk rate is up. His K rate is down. His launch angle is down. But his hard hit rate is higher. So with all that all that saying all that being said, that means that he's hitting the ball harder. If you hit the ball harder, your BABIP will be higher. That's just common logic, unless you just keep hitting it to the same person over and over again, or they start doing a shift on you. But right now, the way he's hitting, I think this will continue if he continues with his hard hit rate. I don't think his BABIP is going to be over 440, but he he could still hit end up hitting like two. 290 to 300, even 310 for the rest of the season. So it goes down a little bit, but he's still batting leadoff. He's still yes. playing in Baltimore. The yes. ball's going to be flying out of there. That lineup is not nothing to sneeze at. They're not the Pittsburgh Pirates. There's nothing to sneeze at there. The most important thing about his about him is that he bats number one. And when you have a very hot start to the season, teams tend to play you quite a bit longer. Like if you had a really bad start to the season, you're not going to get as much playing time. This is a, this is a Ron Chandler thing he used to say. Um, if, if, if you're bad in the beginning, you may not get the opportunity to bounce back and regress back up. But if you start hot... He's going to give you all the playing time, and he's batting first. So Mullins is going to get you the counting stats in runs and RBIs. Either way, uh, he's going to be more than rosterable. I mean, he's a hold for me. Yep. Would you trade him now, though, with his value so high? Is he a tradable I've commodity? I've considered it. Or do you, want, or do you it. want to just, just keep riding it? You know what's weird? He's not running. You'd think he would run more. Yeah, only has four attempts. Yeah. And Too how many caught. is he? Too caught, yeah. Yeah, he's not running so much. Which is uh, somewhat disappointing. I don't know. I don't know. You could you could yeah. certainly trade him here. Oh, what about, could we just one guy who's not on this list but just yeah, hit sure. a home run is uh, Byron Buxton. Yeah, Byron Buxton. Byron Buxton. Ooh, he's pretty good. Oh boy. Ooh. Ooh I advocated. I think I advocated to trade him because there's only one place to go right, from right, here. Right. There's he's he. This is this is the best he could be. There's nothing better right now. He will get hurt. Okay, so he what do you take? What do you what do you want for him? What do you want for? Him? What are you gonna get? What do you? I have him. Uh, no, no, no. You have him. What do you want for me to get him? What do you want? Uh, I, I, I don't. I wouldn't trade for him though, because no, 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 no. I, you have him. You have him. I'm coming to you. Who do you want from my team? Who will you take? Would you take Springer? Um, what well, I don't know. I don't want Springer. I, I think Pass. that's. Just, I actually think for this Castellanos? year, I think it's a step down. Would you take Nick Castellanos? Uh, yeah, I would take Castellanos because Castellanos has a better track record and usually usually stays healthy. And I like. I, I prefer him playing in Cincinnati, a player in Cincinnati, than in Minnesota. Yeah, but so, it's Byron so Buxton is hitting is at six hundred feet. Would you take He's... Ozuna? I think I wouldn't. No, no. At this point, until Ozuna starts to show some life, I, I don't think so. No, no. Castellanos. Would you rather have Eddie Rosario? I would rather no. have Eddie Rosario. Oh, you and your Eddie Rosario. For Love God's sake. What about this? Would you trade him for Aaron Judge? Batting, batting average league? Batting average, yep. right? Batting average league? No. 
OVP nope. league, I'd rather have Judge. Yeah, OVP, I think I could I could not close my either. head around not it. Not close. Nah, it's, it's close still because Buxton right now is the best player in the American League. Right now. Just today. I'm not saying he's going to be. But if you look at Mike Trout had the best start of his career. And Byron Buxton is the one who won for the yeah. MLB Player of the Month. It just shows, it just shows you. It's just been insane, and I own him in enough places that I pay very close. I watch every at bat that I. What can I like about Buxton is that he has very little categorical risk. Meaning, if he obviously he's a good player, if he gets hurt, you you're, you're going to be affected. But he doesn't sabotage any one category. He's actually relatively flat in every single category, so that you're not scrambling for. Oh my God, how am I going to replace the steals? The power? how many stolen bases do you think he'll have at the end of the year? 15, yes, sir. Fifteen, eighteen, something like that. I'd say close. I'd say closer to twenty two, twenty three if he stays healthy. I'll take the over on both of those. I'll take the over on both of those. Eighteen. I'll I'll give you a dollar for. All right, because uh, I'm going to owe you a dollar for JD Martinez versus Alberto right. Mondesi. That's right. So I I am definitely going to owe you a dollar. Eight, for that. eight, eighteen and a half. We'll go, you you'll take the over. Yeah. All right. Fine. Sure. Okay. Sure. Okay. You always, always got to get the little edge, right? I just get, did. Look at that. Yeah, I know. You get the edge. You get. You got to give the edge in life. But that's there fine. I'll give you 18 and a half. Sure. <laughs> Let, let's go to uh, Jazz Chisholm. Uh, now, he's injured now, but, man, he looked pretty good. He's hitting the homers, stealing the bases. I think he's legit, and he's as, uh, if he's healthy, he's getting all the playing time. He's going to get the green light to steal. I, I like Jazz for this year for Roto. Ravine, I'm very high on him. We actually in a lot of our leagues we haven't, and he's just been amazing. Um, I think when he played last year, he was just a very unlucky. He had a 200 BABIP. Um, his he's th- uh, 375 this year. His K rate's the same as and walk rate is, is a little up from last year. He had seven bases, seven stolen bases so far, or eight stolen bases so far this year. The most he ever had in a season in Double A in 2018 was 17. So he doesn't usually steal. So so the reason this must be a philosophy of the team to run. Now the one thing I am concerned about is he had a hamstring injury. Is he going to run when he comes back? He was put on the IL because they kept the Marlins kept Jorge Afaro off of the IL hoping that he'd get over a hamstring issue, and he didn't, and they had to aisle him. So they're being extra cautious with him just to make sure that he's able to get through this and be the way he was before. Well, I'll tell you this. When I think of Jazz Chisholm, I think about how stupid and lucky I am. Stupid and lucky. Lucky and stupid. Um, I share a team with Brett Sayre, and we were you know, moving prospects this offseason. And one of the guys that was on our, hey, just add this player just in case um, you know, to get the deal done was Mr. Jazz Chisholm himself and could not sell him to to spare my life. He, nobody wanted him, would not take him. And we couldn't stop trying to get rid of him, trying to sell, quote, high on him. Well, that's why we are stupid and lucky because everyone said no. Uh, I like Jazz Chisholm too. <laughs> he's gonna, I had the he's same gonna thing. Really I, I tried to trade him in labor. No, but no biters. Uh, it's okay. I'll keep him. Yeah, that's fine. Lucky, lucky and stupid. It happens yeah. to me quite often. Yeah, yeah. What about Matt Boyd? Now I know he's injured, or he came out early in the game, but um, I mean, he's a guy who his ERA is well, well below uh, his Oof. his uh, other uh, estimators. He's got a one eight one eight ERA, but his uh, FIP and Sierra are close to five. Is this a time bomb just waiting to be set off with Matt Boyd? Strikeout rate is five point seven K per nine, which is putrid. Wow, what a word, putrid. Um, yeah, I, I say is. just, I know it's just the way you said it. It was just very descriptive. <laughs> um, Matt Boyd, I mean, you know, I, I was an advocate for 
for him to a certain extent this this offseason. And I'm not going to, I mean, if you can get, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to wait till he gets healthy. You're not going to trade him now. No. No. So, you know, bring him back. And he, he's not fully trusted, unlike the next guy on the list, who I trust quite a bit more. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think Boyd certainly has looked better than last year. And if you go back to what he did in 2019, I mean, those strikeouts were insane in 2019. I mean, it's, it's somewhat underrated how many strikeouts he had. I mean, how many did he have? Like 238 or something crazy? In 2019. 2019. Yeah. 2019. I mean, something over 200 was well above nine an inning. Nine per nine. Uh, you know, yeah, one per inning is what I meant to say. Boyd, he had, I don't know, 2019, he had 238. Yeah, uh, yeah. 238. That's a lot of Ele- strikeouts. How many innings? Like 191 innings? 185 innings, 11 and a half K that. nine. That's yeah. what I'm saying. So, like, do, do, putrid. I mean, to me, he's he's doing a better job of pitching. He's he's pitching better. Yeah, the walks so, are way way down. Yeah. So his you know, walks are down. His K rate is down. Yeah. Um, his his fly ball rate is up, which is interesting because right now his home run to fly ball rate is an unsustainable 2.2. I mean that that's just that doesn't make any sense. It's so low that it's going to go back to the average. He has less value now because he's not getting those strikeouts. He's playing for Detroit. How many teams are going how many wins is he gonna get on Detroit? If he gets traded, different scenario. And there's a yeah, very good wait, chance he but, will get like, traded. Do you want to drop him then? I mean, is that what you're saying? To drop him? No, he's a first half pitcher. If you remember in I think it was in two thousand nineteen, he did great in the first half and he just completely fell off in the second half. I expect the same thing to happen. So I'd ride him as long as he's healthy, you ride him and then toward around I'd say mid June, if he's still doing this, I'd trade him at R- first. Ride and trade. He's a ride and trade guy for me. Ride and trade, ride and trade. Okay. Ride I'm good trade. with it. Yeah. Sure, why not? Danny Duffy. This is one Ooh. of Ruven I'll let Ruven go first. He's one of Ruven's favorites. Every year Mine too. he tells me, Pick up Danny Duffy, pick up Danny Duffy and I'm like, No. And I, I feel like Danny Duffy is he, he he's on the waiver wire, gets two good starts, you pick him up, gives you a crappy start, and then you drop him and then next week he has a great start in the waiver wire. It's pretty uh, true actually. Well we, Danny we, Duffy this year has been phenomenal. His strand rate is yeah. over 95. His K rate is over 10 for the first time in his career. His walk rate is down. The pull rate for pit for hitters pulling the ball is down 12%. And the main thing, his velocity is up. Fastball up a, a mile and a half. Curveball up two miles. He's throwing it less, though. His changeup is up a mile. This is a guy I would buy, buy, buy. And you know what? I think that I he will be traded. He 100%, if the Royals drop out of it, he will be traded. And the target team is going to be the Yankees. Hey. He's a perfect. He is a perfect fit for the Yankees. He's cheap. Makes a lot and of he, sense. And, and, and he gets, and he'll, he'll, he'll go deep into the games. He's an innings eater. The Yankees need innings eater. So my, my, project, my predict, uh, projection is Ooh, that I he's like going to be traded to the Yankees around the trade deadline. As soon as he gets traded to the Yankees, he's not worth as much to me, personally. Um, I, I, I actually think the Royals might stick around for a little while and win 83 games. They're the best year. team in baseball right now. Right, right. So, I mean, I, I actually think that they're going to they're gonna be pretty good. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I like Danny Duffy so much. Um, picked him up everywhere I could this past weekend. Uh, in the places where he was still around, in a couple of other places he had, was gone the week before. They came out, did it again. I, I've, been, I've been in and out of love with Danny Duffy, but more in than out. But, you know, what Ariel said is totally true. I mean, through the years, he'll give you, like last year, he, he was pretty good, and then he has his blow-up. By the way, I just want to say this one thing. This first half pitcher thing, is that what you would attribute to Wade Miley? Because doesn't Wade Miley do this every year? Doesn't Wade Miley come out and sort of give you five or six good starts, and then he has a bad start, and then another bad start, and then another bad start? Isn't that, isn't that pretty much what Wade Miley does? 
I would, I, I think so. No, no, no. There's every year, every year there's like a, yeah, maybe Wade Miley's kind of put it together. And then every year it falls apart, like pretty much the same week. I think, I think Tyler Molly is like that also. He's a second half pitcher. He's always been picked up off the waiver wire every year, not this year, but every year prior, he's been always picked off the waiver wire on June, July, August. And is he good then? That's when he's good? That's well. He that's when he racks up all his accumulating stats. Yeah, all right. Duffy Tough. does look look uh, look a little bit better. He he has cut the walks down. Uh, but uh, you mentioned strand rate though, Ruvain. That's actually not in his favor. His strand rate is is ninety three percent, which means he's been exceptionally lucky. The point three nine ERA can't sustain there. It means only seven percent of the runners have scored. Usually, uh, a, a normal pitcher would strand about mid seventies. So he's stranding twenty percent more luckier than the average. Uh, I, you know, to me, I, I just can't see myself picking him up. I'm going to call him a super waiver wire hero. If, if, uh, if you have your fantasy team, the 15 teams, and you want to make a super team of the waiver wire, he is an ace on the waiver wire for the super waiver wire team, super waiver wire hero, Danny Duffy. That's my nickname for him. Pretty good. Pretty good. Number six on a, just a regular team too. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Uh, let's do uh, one or two mailbag questions. Adam asks, I guess this is for Ian, in a dynasty format, what proportion of your roster should be allocated to prospects? And at what level and stages at different points on the win curve? Uh, and he sets this up with his team as a 16-team head-to-head daily. Um, it's got 30-man rosters, one player per position, no designated minor spots. It's just a 30-man active roster. So what, in general, what, what do you suggest to the audience? Should you allocate you know, prospects versus else if you have uh, just 30 slots? It totally depends on where you are in your process. You could you could conceivably, if you didn't need to have a team that was accumulating stats, like if you were if it were legal to put anybody in any spot, you could make an argument that there is an angle that you could put 30 minor league players in that, right? You could do that as well. Um, you know, I look at it this way. There's like 20 top prospects, 25 maybe, that if they're available, you should try to get, let's say tw- the top 20, 22. You should try to get those guys if they're sitting out there on the wire. You don't need to be filling your team with George Valera, guys who are in the mid-50s. That's not, not, not for a format like this. This is, this, is a, this is a play for now format, really, based on what I'm looking at. Um, and actually, in head-to-head, you shouldn't be allowed to do that. So, I, I mean... T- Gingerly, I mean, 30, 30 man rosters are really hard. So, I mean, if it's one one player per position plus utility, how many? So that's 10, no, nine hitters and would you guess seven pitchers or, or nine pitchers? Yeah, let's call it eight just to All get right. around. So it's, so it's nine hitters and eight pitchers. So that means you only have, you have 13. Well, I guess you can afford in that format, you could afford three guys three good guys and if you're going for the win you're going to use those to improve your team and if you're in a rebuild you could use seven guys right okay and you could yep. really fill those guys up so that's what i would say it really it's not it's not a it, it, it's it's very much dependent on where you are in your process i think that's good advice i have nothing else to add i don't i don't play this format but that sounds very very reasonable still working to get you to play in the dynasty league there ariel i think it'd be good for you all right man you never know that's one type of league we've never dab you know dabbled in it also you guys, it's it, it it brings so much to the table in yes. terms of understanding the player pool, understanding where these guys come from. It gives you, it, it really does, it, it widens the game so much. It's really fun. But okay, 
Yeah. Enough about that. Okay. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, all right. One more question from John. People are giving up on Tommy Pham. Is he worth a flyer off the waiver wire? And wh- a second question, what level player would you buy Chris Paddock for right now? Well, he's hurt, uh, but uh, uh, w- what are you doing with Pham and Paddock? Ravane? Um, I'm a little nervous about uh, Tommy Pham. Last year, he basically was the same you're seeing this year, and this was two years in a row. In last year, he played 32 games. He batted 211 with three homers and six stolen bases. He's played 33 games this year, no homers, two stolen bases, and batting 200. I think Tommy Pham, I think all the injuries may have finally caught up with him, and I'm I'm a little nervous about him. He's not stealing. He's not hitting, and that team is still very deep offensively. He may end up being like a platoon guy. I I I don't see if if he can't do that, and I I'm just nervous about it. If I I don't have him on any leagues this year. This is the first year I do not have Tommy Pham. I've had him for every year since about 2015 16. I just I I don't have the stomach for him anymore. Uh, uh yeah. I mean, look. It again depends on your format. It's a 15 team league, and he's sitting out there on the wire. You certainly put him on your bench because he could turn it around. He has had the skills in the past. And his skill is somewhat scarce. Uh, 12-team league? No, you don't need to bother with that. Everything that Ruben just said. In terms of Chris Paddock, this is a strange uh, This is a strange way that I play the game, which is very different than certainly I know the way Ariel plays the game. My reason that I don't own Chris Paddock and why I don't want to own Chris Paddock, and I never have and I never will. Well, that's crazy. I won't say I never will. I never have and I certainly won't right now. Is because of the way he was dressed the first time he pitched. Do you remember? With the cowboy hat? Yep, with the cowboy hat and the suit. When he came in on the first day with the cowboy hat and the suit. Because he was a sheriff in town. Right. He called himself the sheriff in town. And he said, I'm the best there is. Basically, is what he said. I'm the best pitcher in baseball. The problem I have with that is guys like that don't tend to have a tremendous amount of humility. And if you don't have a lot of humility in the game of baseball, you don't necessarily get better. So for me, I look at Chris Paddock. I've always thought he was just overpriced everywhere he went because I think he's... uh, I, I'm not a fan, but but that's again, it's a very different, st- and that's not the it's not a beat the shift line. That's an under the radar line, uh, but that's how I play the game. And so, I, who would you who would you Ariel? Who would you take for? I, I still also not exactly clear. Like, is that like who who would you give up to get Chris Paddock? So who would you, who would you give up to get Chris Paddock? I, th- I think he's trying to place Paddock. Uh, but preseason, I had him as a top thirty five pitcher, which uh, is not the case anymore. His walk rate is going up strikeout rate falling. Let's just forget about the injuries right now. But, um, yeah, he's not as good a pitcher anymore. I'm going to bump him down to probably about number 55, if that makes sense, like the 55th best starting pitcher. Um, who's, I, in I, that, who's in that area code? Um, we're talking the range of Marcus Stroman, uh, Frankie Montas, Jose Arquiti, maybe like around that range. I think maybe. I would. I, 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 I Frankie Montas just Rolades, Rolades, and Tums all would, day. Would you trade? Would you trade someone like a uh, um, what's his name? The guy on the Mets was really, really good. Not the Grom. Not the Grom. I'm talking about Taiwan Walker. Would I trade no. Taiwan Walker right now? No, he, I think he, he's above Walker. I'd rather have. I'd rather have. Uh, you would rather have Paddock think, than Walker. Yeah, I, I'd rather yeah, have Walker. Upside. Yeah, I think I'd I would. I think I would take upside. Walker right now too. I think I would take Walker right now too, partially because of the injuries. But I would definitely take Stroman over him right now for sure. I mean, how does Stroman yeah. look? Is he as much fun to watch as his numbers are in the box score? Yes. Yes. Oh is. yeah, I, I went yeah. to a Stroman game. He was great. He was great. He's so much fun, man. He's yeah. so much fun to watch. Yeah. 
So expressive. As for uh, as for Tommy Pham, so the Royals have the third most stolen bases in baseball with twenty two. Yes. The Rangers have twenty three. And, and how the many Padres, Padres have? number one. And how much they have? Thirty six. Yeah, thirty five. Damn. Um, Tommy, Tom, that's pretty good. Tommy Pham is uh, the Padres. Uh, he he's always a guy that whatever it is, the homers steals. He always steals. It's in his game that he wants to steal. Players, uh, Rajay Davis told me this once. If a guy wants to steal, he's going to steal. doesn't matter how old the guy is. He's going to steal. Uh, so if you're getting him, if, you're, if he's available for you in Roto in, you know, 12, maybe a little bit too shallow, but 15 for sure, um, he's going to steal 15 bases. And it's a scarce commodity because pe- not a lot of people steal. Uh, and he's a guy who's going to hit maybe 260. Uh, maybe he's a 15-15 type player in, in this old age. Uh, so it's definitely a profile that I want. So I'd actually recommend picking him up. Would you in a 12-team? Uh, it depends on if I need the steals, and it depends if I have the room and what my outfield situation is. But sure. yeah, it's borderline, yes, borderline. I want to I want to throw out one name that I I talked about on Under the Radar today, today and I'm giving this a an I'm gonna say eight percent chance of success. But if it came through with a success, it could be a league winner. So I'd like to share it with your audience, man. Sure. I'm gonna say that I think that if you have room, Billy Hamilton is worth a dollar bid this weekend. Hundred percent agree. Hundred percent agree. With Louis Robert out, well, now I guess you got to go up to six dollars. Um, with Louis Robert out of the lineup, and Andrew Vaughn having to play left field now because you got to extend that lineup, right? And Luis Garcia is going to play center some. He's going to play second base. Going to play shortstop. They're going to need Billy Hamilton out there in center field to help cover for Andrew Vaughn. Also, Billy Hamilton has put on weight. Billy Hamilton's bigger than he was when he was the string bean coming up with Cincinnati and, you know, five minutes with the Royals and six minutes with this, with the Indians. He's older and stronger. And I think that there is an 8% chance, maybe even a little higher, especially if Ruben believes it, that he could get some regular playing time. If he does, that is a game changer for your league. That's how you beat the shift in this, in this format. Game changer. I'm not sure, but short term, if it works, eight, eight, 8% 8% chance if he plays, yeah, he could steal 35 bases yeah. the rest of the season. 35. Easily. 8%? Yeah, that's that's one in 12 years. Sure. He's going to play the outfield. There's nobody else there. He yeah. has to play. That I mean, and, and listen to this. Andrew Vaughn is going to play DH every once in a while, too, because he he's not an outfielder. I mean, you saw the way he butchered some plays in left field. He's not a true outfielder. When yeah. when the end of the game comes, they're going to take him out. They're going to put Billy Hamilton in, and he's going to be in the late of the game. If he gets on base, you know what he's doing. He's, he's not in there for, he's for his run. power. He's in there for his steal. Yes. Yeah, he's going to get the playing time. I mean, who, who do you have? you got Leori Garcia playing. Garcia's uh, not bad. He's got Adam e- Adam Eaton's going to play, obviously. Yes, but Adam Eaton sometimes sits. Sure. Uh, can Jake Lamb play outfield? A little bit. J- and little they just bit. signed Brian Goodwin today, so it's getting a little bit more crowded. So I'm not yeah. saying, like, hey, this is definitely going to work. What I'm telling you, our show is called Under the Radar, right? right. Under the Radar. It's it's a, trying to look ahead to see sure, sure. what are the players like your mean Mercedes that Nando was talking about, or Dulis Garcia that Nando was talking about, or Yadiel Hernandez that Nando was talking about. Who are the guys that are going to pop up and that you can get for nothing right now? Yeah. That in two weeks you're going to be spending a hundred. I mean, if Billy Hamilton's playing every, if Billy Hamilton steals three bases this weekend, what is his what is his fab big going to be this week? How much is he going to cost? Forty dollars. No, more whoa, 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 whoa. More more? three more stolen bases in two days. How, what's his price going to be? 
60, 70. 180 if hours. He's, I don't if think if he steals much. three bases on Sunday, right. it's going to it's crazy. It, yeah. you'll, you'll, be, you'll have to bid 100 to get him more. Easily. 100, 150 to get him, 180 to get him. And and then and it may not work. So I'm just saying. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. The White Sox only have five games this week, okay? They only have five games. He's not starting the first game. I'm guessing he's going to start two of the games. If he starts two games this week and he steals a base, just pick him up if you have the room. Throw him on your bench. Just just wait and see. That's that's all I'm saying. 8% I think you chance. have to have room. I, I mean, if you're playing the ESPN standard game with three bench players, you're not touching. No, them. then you're not doing that. You know, it's it's uh, if you have IL slots on your team, you're more uh, more able to. If you're if you're in the NFBC where you have seven slots and you might have injury guys, I don't know. I don't know if you even have room to. Um, it, it, it's a, I think it's very much roster dependent and your situation. And certainly, if you need speed, you know, I would take a chance. I'd rather have John Birdie though than him for some reason. I mean, I hear you. I hear you. And but if you're in a daily league, I would pull. I would grab him. I would daily, grab him oh, daily that, that changes the story. Daily, league, you see if he's starting or not. Sure. Yeah, and if he's starting, I mean, that's a st- every time he's gonna steal. I mean, sure. what did he steal in his in his in his prime? His yeah, prime six, is now. Sixty bases, by the way. yeah. Right, but his prime is now. By the way, like he is in his what is he twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight, maybe. I think he's older than that. No, not much. So maybe 29. He was very young when he came up. And that's the point. He's 30. He's 30 right now. Okay, 30. But body's mature. He's not losing his speed, but he's gaining strength. That's what happens to baseball players. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Do with it what you will. Yeah. No, it's it's definitely someone to uh, take a lottery ticket if if you have the room. I mean, certainly, uh, if you need if you need the speed, you're not going to find somebody better on the waiver wire than Billy Hamilton. It's just, just easy, right? Well, if, if you have Luis Robert, why not even take him? It's just, he's replacing him anyway. Maybe get the stolen bases. You may not get the power, but you get the stolen bases. It's about playing time, and uh, if he gets the playing time, then he's the guy. I mean, it's easy to see there. Uh, let's do uh, Ruvain's injury report. Go for it. Okay, first we'll start with the guy we mentioned earlier, Cole Calhoun. He was placed on the IL with a left hamstring strain, which actually ended up being a tear. He had surgery. He's out for two months. Um, Dalton, Dalton Varsho, another guy who's not that owned in a lot of leagues. He's, a, if he's available, grab him. I know, Ariel, you have him in a couple leagues. Um, he's eligible at catcher, but he's been playing some outfield as well. Marco Gonzalez was placed on the IL with a left forearm strain. They say soon, he made right? this a couple of starts. Um, Domingo Tapia was called up. Um, I, I'm a little nervous about that. Mike Yastrzemski, oblique issue. He was put on the IL retroactive to April 26th. They did acquire Mike Talkman, another low-level guy you can get on the waiver wire and maybe good to have. Um, Ryu, uh, Ryu from the from Toronto Blue Jays, he is supposed to start this week. I think they're supposed to activate him either Wednesday or Thursday. So he's a guy, if you have him on your IL, you're going to miss out the start, but usually you don't want to start a guy running the Congo off the IL anyway. Luis Robert, got to mention him. Um, he had a grade three strain, which is a complete tear of his hip flexor. Um, he is going to be out, no baseball activities for 12 to 16 weeks, and that's if he doesn't need surgery. If he needs surgery, he's done for the year. Even so, in most leagues, he is pretty much a drop. I don't. You're not going to get that much out of him if he comes back, let's say, September time. You're not going to get that much out of him because that's no baseball activities for 16 up to 16 weeks. When is he coming back? When is he going to start ramping up? Playoffs? I don't know. We'll see. Dustin May, damaged UCL, having Tommy John surgery. He's done for the year. But a guy you should look to is Tony Gonsolin. He's building up in, in for the Dodgers. He's going to be activated in about three to four weeks. He's about three, four weeks away. So if he's on your waiver wire, now's the, guy to st- now's the time to stash him. And a couple guys who've been activated, 
I want to end on a happy note here. Activated. Jock Peterson was activated. Lorenzo Cain was activated. Kristen Yelich was activated for 10 minutes. Brian Anderson was activated. <laughs> um, and and players expected to be back over the next couple of days, next five to seven days, I would say. Cody Bellinger, Max Fried. Nate Pearson actually started a, a game today for AAA to start opening day. Luke Voigt started um, rehabilitation ready this week. Miguel Sano is supposed to come back, and Gene Segura is also going to be coming back soon because he's on a rehab assignment as well. Bunch of good news there. I want to mention, uh, you mentioned Mike Talkman. Uh, I'm going to have an article later this week on my MPDI, which is our Weighted Plate Discipline Index for Hitters. Basically, you get credit if you swing at strikes, and you don't get credit if you swing at balls. Uh, it's pretty much just uh, pitch recognition, right? And uh, MPDI stabilizes pretty quickly because the denominator is pitches, not at-bats. Um, and Mike Talkman leads all of baseball with a very, very high MPDI. He is recognizing strikes and only swinging at strikes and not swinging at balls. So just, you know, it's not a predictive stat. It's a little bit predictive, more um, descriptive, but just keep your eye on Talkman. See if he's starting to walk a little bit more this year. Uh, might be very interesting in San Francisco. Number two on the list, Jordan Luplow. I, I mentioned him uh, the other week. If he, he's a guy to look at. I mean, he, he was he's in the lineup primarily for his great uh, platoon splits against left-handers, but they're playing him every day, and they're batting him second. I really like Luplo. Uh, take a look at him. He is walking like crazy. His recognizing pitches, MPDI is showing you that. I really like how you say Luplo. Did Alex Chamberlain put you up to this article or no? Uh, no, no, this is my own... Uh, MPDI. Oh, okay, Alex Chamberlain. I reached out to Alex Chamberlain about a trade this weekend and did not receive a response. Made me sad. I like Alex. Good guy. He's in a different time zone. He's, he is. He's in, he's in a different time zone. Is he in Hawaii? Hawaii. Oh, all right. Well, yeah. that, that makes more sense. Okay. That's he might right. have been asleep. But he's Probably. very high in Talkman, from what I remember. Very high in Talkman. He's a Talkman guy. Yes, he he uh, he had him in his uh, peripheral prospects. Uh, uh, very high on him, and he Yankees. was. Uh, he, yeah, when he when uh, Yankees brought him up and and traded for him, he jumped up and down and I remember, I think, yeah, yeah. Um, Chamberlain's good. Chamberlain's smart. Chamberlain, one one of the best writers out there. Just uh, a plus work every single time. Uh, yep, he, he writes really something. good stuff. Uh, all right, well, we're at the end of our show. Um, Ian, thank you so much for for joining us. Before we go, can you please plug all of your stuff? Where we can listen to you? Where we can see all your dynasty work and all things Ian Khan? All right, well, I I kind of already plugged the the. The podcast with Nando and Derek under the radar on the uh, the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Network um, podcast, rather. And uh, my to follow me on Twitter, it's at IanCon4. Don't get fooled by at IanCon. You don't want to have any part of that. All you want is IanCon4 because that's where I do all my fantasy baseball content. And my dynasty rankings are done over at The Athletic. Um, where we did a, an update a couple of weeks ago, and we got another update. I've got another update coming out in, in a little bit. We'll see you when. Great stuff, and yes, I, I once again highly recommend the the uh, podcast. Uh, everybody on the Athletic is fantastic. Uh, Derek Van Riper is, is enormous. Uh, he has the rates and barrels. He also does uh, with the Eno Fantasy Fifteen with Eno and Britt, yep. and Fantasy Fifteen with Al Melchior. Uh, just uh, you guys have a tremendous staff over the Athletic. You really guys really do. Thank you, thank you. And we practice tennis quite a bit. Wait, what? At the Athletic? No. <laughs> 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 Come on, Ruben. I, I don't know what to add that won't embarrass somebody here, so I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> it's fine. It's totally fine. It's totally Ian fine. is referring to uh, uh, I actually played Ian tennis a couple weeks ago. We did. Ago. And listen, how much fun do we have? Do we have a good time or do we have a good time? 
it, it was fantastic. Very nice facility up there. That I, I came out to, to uh, Ian's home home base over there. It's true. You did come to my home court, so that definitely yes. did, does give me an advantage. But it was a, it was a real pleasure to hang out with you. And again, I mean, Ruvain, I, I have not been, I have not been on the show since you helped me. I had this shoulder problem, and after I did the show, Ariel said, I, "Why don't you call Ruvain?" And I did. And he gave me a consultation, a FaceTime consultation, and he was right. It was indeed a sprained AC I, joint. I, I, I hope I was right. No, you were. You were right. It was a sprained AC joint, which doesn't sound nearly as bad as it actually is. Ruvain, you want to fill everybody in? Pretty bad, right? It, it is. It is bad because you can't sleep on it. It's hard to move. It's hard to get dressed. It's it's very very difficult to just live with. Actually, not just yeah. play sports. Yeah. No. It was. It was. It was really. It was. It was a bad. It was. It was a tough time. And Ruvain, thank you. And Ariel, thank you. Thank you guys for having me back on the show. Absolutely. That's what we do on the show here. We do uh, medical consultations and fantasy advice. There you go. Uh, and uh, it, it's such an advantage having Ruvain on the show because, you know, an injury comes down and uh, he knows exactly what's going on because guess what? Ruvain diagnoses these every single day. Yes. Uh, that's right. Ruvain, why don't you uh, tell us where we can see your stuff? Yeah, well, you can follow me on Twitter at MLB Injury Guru, where I do tweet out their injury updates, the latest updates, who's coming up next, how long I think they're going to be out for. I also have a weekly article on Rotobowler discussing these injuries a little bit more in depth that come out that comes out every Saturday, so it prepares you for Fab every week. There you go. And my name's Ariel Cohen. You can see me on Twitter at ATCNY, the shortest Twitter handle in all of fantasy baseball. Uh, you can read my stuff over at Fangraphs and at Rotoballer and uh, also on CBS Sportsline. ATC projections still up there um, till, till next year. I guess uh, we're, we're done with ATC pretty much. Still useful, uh, but uh, kind of almost switching over to the uh, rest of season stuff. Uh, you can see all that on Fangraphs right now. And, of course, you can listen to me uh, every week on the Beat the Shift podcast. Uh, we'll have another show this week. Steve Gardner comes on. My partner. Uh, yes. Oh, Steve's fantastic. Uh, he does such a great job running labor and uh, great stuff over at USA Today. You should, you should all know who Steve is and read his stuff. And we'll have him on the show later in the week. So, once again, thanks again to Ian Kahn for joining the show. From all of us here at Beat the Shift, We'll see you next time. Good talk. Good talk. Thanks for listening to the Beat the Shift podcast presented by Fangress. Follow us on Twitter at beat underscore shift underscore pod.